0: How to neighbor, won't you be my neighbor? I should have wore a cardigan for this sermon because of Mr. Rogers. (laughs) Uh, Well, this How to Neighbor series is really strategic as we're entering the summer. And it is warm. How many of you guys are celebrating the sunshine and blue skies and warmth? It's back. And what I'm seeing, I don't know if you're noticing this, because it's warm in Seattle, we're actually seeing our neighbors and people outdoors. It's like, you've been living next to me this last year? I had no idea. Anybody experiencing that? You're like, where are all these people coming from? And I, I just believe that in this summertime, as things are getting warm and people are emerging from their cocoons and their garages and their homes, this is a chance for us to be good neighbors. And so we're going to dive into this. And uh, I want to set up a story from Luke 10 in the scriptures, Luke 10, 25 through 37, about the Good Samaritan. And we're going to get into this series. But to set up the story, there's this lawyer that approached Jesus. And the lawyer said to Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you read in the scriptures? And he says, well, what I'm seeing is just basically two things. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, and soul. And you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, actually, you're correct. Now go and do likewise. And because this guy is a lawyer, he's looking for a loophole. He doesn't really want to apply this or he wants to justify himself because he hasn't been applying it perfectly. And so he asked the question, who is my neighbor looking for a loophole? Where are my people here who look for loopholes? You're like, I want to work smarter, not harder. I'm looking, I'm going to find my way out. And this is what this lawyer is like. So let's read that. So let's pick it up in verse 29. It says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that as we start this series about being good neighbors and as we apply this scripture in our lives, I pray that we do exactly that. We would apply it. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. Lord, I pray in this this opportunity in the summer as people are... Emerging and coming outside and there's a chance for us to interact. Lord, I pray that we as Kalos Church would be good neighbors. We pray in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen, amen. So being good neighbors, how to neighbor. You know, sometimes it's hard to encounter our neighbors. It's hard to know our neighbors. Growing up as a kid in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, I remember a time where as a kid you were excited when someone knocked on your door. When someone called your phone, you were excited. Me and my sister would race to pick up the phone. Anybody remember a time like that, you youngins? A time where when someone knocked on the door, you were excited, now what do we do? We're like closing the blinds, hiding behind the couch. Who is that? Who's there? Unless it's an Amazon package. And then we're like, praise the Lord, (laughs) finally. It's a day and age when we are like suspicious of anybody who enters our property anybody who would dare knock on our door. We actually, at our house, we have a sign that says, don't knock on our door. Don't ring our doorbell because the baby is sleeping. (laughs) And it's crazy. This is happening all through our society where we don't really know our neighbors. You know, I uh, moved to Bellevue with my family about a year and three months ago, and I I really wanted to learn who my neighbors were uh, because we have some crazy neighbors and didn't have any names attached with them. Like, we live right by this, like, mansion, and it always seems like there's an ambulance or a police there. They have an immaculate fountain. It's like this amazing high-walled house, and then there's our house right next to it. We're like if you ever want to find our house, look for the mansion, and then we're the little one right next to it. And they have a Wi-Fi network name that says, you'll never leave. And we see like ambulances and police out there, and we're like, this is kind of creepy. And for some reason, oh, please pray for me. They power wash like 24-7. It's like 7 a.m., Our baby's sleeping. It's a weekend. It's Saturday morning. I'm trying to sleep in. And this is what we hear all day. And I'm like, come on! 7 AM on Saturday morning? Neighbor! what are you doing? Does anybody have neighbors like that? And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. What? We have another neighbor across our street, and for about four months straight, they were just digging a hole in their front yard. And every day, I just watched them. That hole would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, I love my neighbors. I love them. And I, I decided, all right, Jesus says we need to love our neighbor. So I want to I meet some of my neighbors. One day, I, I was walking with uh, my wife Amrita here, Pastor Amrita, and her son Obadiah and we saw a young girl like walking out of this mansion emerging from the high walled fences we're like, this is our opportunity she's walking at a brisk pace and I'm like I'm not going to let this opportunity pass so I started walking pretty fast she looks behind, she sees a brown bearded man quickly approaching and she picks up her pace <laughs> and I'm like, alright, I'm not going to be outdone, no way! So I pick up my pace, now she, she's starting to do a light jog. And uh, Amrita's like, stop it, honey. Stop it. <laughs> don't do it. And so I, I go, neighbor! <laughs> neighbor! She's like looking around. I'm just yelling. Neighbor! So she stops. I don't know. She, she, she was choosing flight. Now she's choosing fight. So she, she stops. And, I, and I'm like, I can see fear in her eyes. So I don't want to approach too closely. So I'm like, hi! I'm your neighbor! <laughs> Yeah. look at us. We're being neighborly. And, and she does not want to talk to me. And she's like, oh, okay, very good. And I'm like, and Amritha's like, honey, step away from her. Let the let the young lady walk away in peace. And uh, it's so hard, though, to, to be neighbors sometimes because we get stuck in our own worlds. We kind of have our own routines. If we have garages, we get in our car, we drive into our garage, we get out of the car, we sneak into our house, or so we're immediately going from Work to our house, and it's hard to meet our neighbors. And I, I experienced that even more here in Seattle. And I, I'm just kind of convicted by this passage that we just read about trying to be neighbors. We challenge ourselves as Christians to love people, to love God, to love the lost. But I, I found this truth even in my own journey of learning my neighbors and their names and things like that. It's easier to love God in all of humanity than it is to love your literal neighbor. It's easy for us to say, oh, I love people. But if I asked you, do you know the people in your neighborhood? You say no, because it's it's harder to love tangible, real-life people than it is to love, like, abstract people. And so as we talk about this scripture where Jesus says, love your neighbor, do that, go do that, that is good. As we see that, basically all the commandments in the Bible are divided into two categories, love God. And love people, love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I find that I am incredibly convicted by this passage that says love your neighbor as yourself because I don't think I even know who all my neighbors are. (laughs) And if we were real honest with ourselves, we don't actually know who our neighbor is. And I, I think in many ways, we're like this lawyer who's still looking for a loophole to get out of loving like God has called us to love. We live by our neighbors, but do we love our neighbors? You know, there's this block map. Phil, if you could put this picture on the screen. And there's this book called The Art of Neighboring that I've been reading. And it basically talks about this question. What if we were to literally love our neighbors? What if we took the Bible's command to love our neighbor literally, and we didn't keep it in this abstract realm where we can find loopholes to get out of loving. And so if we live here, how many of you guys would know the people who live in front of you, behind you, to the side of you, and into the corners of your neighborhood? If we're going to be real honest in this place, how many of you guys know the names of the people that live all around your house? Raise your hand if there's anybody. You would say you know everybody. That's awesome. So we have one hand. Is, do we have two hands in this place? I can, I can make us bow our heads and close our eyes if that'll make it easier to raise your hand. Anybody else? We got one hand. two Kind of, two hands, three hands. All right, hey, I'll take it. So in this whole room of God's people, where we believe in love, how many of you guys would believe in love? How many of you believe it's good to love the people around you? Even in this room where we're all on the same page about loving our neighbors, the fact is we found the loopholes. <laughs> We don't actually know the people who live around us. And I'm the same. I could probably only name like three of these blocks uh, as far as the people who live around me. And this is crazy because... This is like half of the commandments in the Bible. Love God, love your neighbor. But I feel like as a society in America, we are miserably failing. You know, back in about the 1950s, they said about 30% of people said that they were good friends and trusted their neighbors. But right now, in America, it says that as far as these stats I was looking up, it says 30% of people don't even know any of their neighbors in America. And so we are more isolated than we've ever been in American history. I believe it's taken a toll on us. And so as I've even dived into researching this more, I, I was reading this report by this this mayor in Denver, and he gathered with a lot of the pastors in that area. And the pastors asked the mayor, like, what could we do to bless our community? How could we make a difference as God's people, as the church? How can we love and show the love of God in a tangible way? And the mayor said, uh, I would just love it if you could create a neighboring movement. Because stats say that when People know their neighbors and trust their neighbors. Crimes go down by about 60%. People have higher quality of lives, are happier emotionally. Uh, When people trust their neighbors, actually the length and longevity of their life increases. So there's health benefits, crime benefits, there's uh, just societal benefits. So if you as a church could create a neighboring movement That would be really beneficial because this is what the mayor said. It's so convicting. I don't see any tangible difference between Christians and non-Christian neighbors. And this is so convicting because when we look at what Jesus said and how they divide half the scriptures, the commandments, and how we ought to live as God's people, half of them include loving your neighbor as yourself. Yet in this society and in this community, they found that there are no differences between Christian and non-Christian neighbors. Isn't that convicting? And so I, I believe that as we try to love everybody, we end up loving nobody. Nobody because we keep it into this realm of abstract, intangible. But I feel like we are called to love our neighbors. And so Jesus, when asked this question, who is my neighbor, brings up the story of the Good Samaritan. So basically, a man was beaten and he was stripped, and he was left for dead on the side of a road, on this road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And this was a a pretty remote road. If you could put up a picture of uh, what this road looks like. And so as you can see, there is an elevation drop. So on this road, you would actually descend about a mile, and you would go downhill into these remote areas where it'd be really easy to get robbed. And you can see that this path, it's an actual road that still exists today. This path is not very wide. And so these Levites, this priest, they would saw someone in need and walk to the other side of the road. But this road isn't super wide. They'd probably have to step over someone a little bit or actually make eye contact with someone if they're literally gonna pass over on the other side of the road. Can you put up another picture? So, so, they, so they see this guy and the, the religious priest, sees a guy on the side of the road, just walks on by, On his way to the temple, the Levite, another high caliber as far as the religious elite, walks on the side of the road, but the Samaritan takes care of this man. And this is really a controversial statement in a story, Jesus is saying, because the Samaritan was considered kind of a a half-breed, not fully Jewish, a mixture between a Jewish Jewish ethnicity and a Gentile ethnicity. And so these people were despised. And the story goes that the religious elite, they didn't take time to love this person. Maybe because priests, if they touched dead bodies, they would be unclean for seven days. Or maybe because they were busy going to the temple. They just didn't have the time for it. But yet the Samaritan, who is ethnically not part of the elite, who is really someone that it would be the least expected person to take care of someone and show love. He actually steps down and takes care of this person, pours oil and wine on the wounds, and actually puts him on his donkey, brings him to an inn, and gives him two days wages worth of money, the denarii. And we just see an outstanding amount of love. And I, I just find that this scripture and this story that Jesus says was impactful back then to this audience, but it is to us today. Because I I believe in our neighborhoods, in our communities, the people that are represented on those blocked maps, uh, they're neighbors that have been stripped down by society, who have been beaten, who have been left for dead, and they're wondering, does anybody care about me? Does anybody love me? Like, they're not even, they don't even care if it's Christian or non-Christian or anything. They're just wondering, like, I, I feel, like, rejected, alone. I'm desperate. I don't i don't know how to take care of my children. i My my husband left me. I, I've never mowed the lawn before. Or I just, I'm in a different culture. I just immigrated to this state. And, like, I, I don't know where to worship. I, I'm not used to this kind of food. And there I just feel like there's people all around us in our neighborhoods that are just like this man who have been left on the side of society and forgotten by the religious elite. And I I feel like I'm just like this. There's so many times where I I, I just forget to love people in ordinary ways because I'm on my way to do a church service. And I just find this passage is so convicting. And if Jesus says to this man, go and do likewise, love your neighbor as you love yourself, there's a question I'm asking. How are we supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves? How are we supposed to do it? And so I just want to share and encourage us and challenge us to to do three simple things as a primer. This is not exhaustive. But I just want to encourage us as Kalos Church that in our communities, we would be present, we would be available, and we would be intentional. That we'd be present, we'd be available, and we would be intentional. Be present. You know, in Acts 17 in the Bible, verses 24 through 27, there's this amazing passage that Paul shares. Paul's speaking to a group that aren't Christians, aren't even Jewish, and he says this to them. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And I like this passage. This is what I want to focus on. This verse right here. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. I want to challenge us today to be present in our neighborhoods, that people would actually know we live near them. You know, this passage in Acts says that God has picked a certain time and a place in all of history for you to live. It says that God has marked out your appointed times in history. You could have been born at any time of history, but you were born now, and he has marked out the boundaries of the lands that you would inhabit. I believe that. It's not a surprise to God when you live and where you live. And so I want to challenge you to see where you live as a mission to make known the beauty of Jesus, where you live to be a mission, to love your neighbor as yourself, where you live. I want you to see it as an opportunity to love people who have been beaten and stripped and abandoned on the side of society. But in order for that to happen, we need to be available and own our moment in history. You know, the other day I was uh, walking to an ice cream shop with Andrew and Kirsten, soon to be Coriel, uh, Pastor and Amritha and I, we were doing their marital, premarital counseling. And so they're getting ready to get married in August. Can we give them a round of applause, somebody? And so, we decided uh, to go to the ice cream because people we previously counseled and now have a good marriage, I'm assuming because of that, Andrew and Rachel Jennings, they were going to get ice cream and they said, hey, does anybody want to get ice cream? Well, we normally probably wouldn't have eagerly jumped at this opportunity, but for the month of May, Amrita and I are on this challenge to not eat out for 30 days meaning we won't spend money on ourselves to eat out. (laughs) But we will kindly accept the gifts of others who want to buy us food. Thank you, Moses, for Jimmy Jobs. (laughs) And so many others who have blessed us. Thank you, Brian and Solomon, for the Costco lunch. God bless your ministry. Uh, And and so we're walking to the Cold Stone ice cream or creamery, and we get there. And it's so cool that we can walk to restaurants, and we can just kind of be present in our neighborhood, be available. And so we walk down there, and we see this beautiful baby girl that looks like our son, Obadiah. And Amrita goes, hey, you have such a beautiful girl. And they go, thank you very much. It's actually a son. This is our boy with a baby bun, a baby man bun. And we're like, what? We know exactly how that feels because we have a son with long hair and whenever we put his hair in a man bun or a boy bun everyone says, "Oh, what a beautiful girl." And we say, "This is a boy." Stop it. <laughs> and we had this magical connection and so uh, you know, being very brown, we st- they were brown, too. I just go, can we take pictures together? And let's exchange phone numbers. And let's get dinner and things like that. And so we're taking pictures. And everybody else is a little creeped out. But it was awesome. And so this guy and I, we just started texting about how good looking we were because we looked the same as well and how good looking our sons are. And we started this relationship just texting in our neighborhood. And he just texted me yesterday. He's like, hey, I've been, you know, they've been looking for community. And he said, hey, I want to come to Kalos Church. And I'm just so excited because I believe that God has called us to live in our neighborhood for a reason. I believe it's not by accident. And just by being present in our city, it opened us up to a new relationship and I believe that this man in the story, just like he found someone on the side of the road and he brought him to an inn, we have an opportunity. I don't know this guy's full story, but I have an opportunity to see the wounds in his life and bring him to an inn or a church where he can experience the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of God's people who are gonna love him so well, amen? And this happens when we own where we live. Do you own where you live? Are you on mission where you live? I wanna challenge you, be present where you live. God has placed you in this time and place for a reason. What is it? And if I asked your neighbors this question, if I asked your neighbors if you love them, what would they say? Convicting, isn't it? It's convicting to me. Number two, I wanna challenge us. Be available. And I believe, especially in the summer season, as things are warmer and people are emerging from, the, their, from their darkness and isolation, this is a time for us to take advantage of. And so I want to challenge you to not just be present, but be available. I like in this passage with the Good Samaritan, he actually takes two denarii and he spends it on this man who's on the side of the road. He takes him to the inn himself, and then he says, I'm going to return to the inn if you have any more expenses, I will take care of it. And uh, denari was basically a day's wages. So think about how much money you would make in a day. This guy spends two of that on a total stranger. And it shows me that he's using his time to bless someone else. And many times when we try to love everyone, we end up loving nobody. And we're like, Pastor Pradeep, I'm so busy. I have work. I don't have time. For my family. And I'm not saying you have to love everybody perfectly in your neighborhood, but don't love nobody because you can't love everybody, all right? And I, I want to challenge us here at Kalos Church. Do for one person what you wish you could do for all people. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. You know, last summer, we really took advantage of this season. You know, we were brand new to Bellevue. We wanted to start a church and a comedy club, but we literally did not know one person in Bellevue. How are we gonna start? Well, we started throwing uh, coffee shop parties, and those are really awkward. Only about three to five people ever showed up. But then we switched and we took, we decided we're going to take advantage of the summer. And we started throwing really weird barbecues in our backyard. Who's at one of those summer barbecues last summer? And this is how we started Kalos Church. I mean, we we hired people to play steel drums. In fact, one of the steel drummers, his name was Obi. And I would joke with him that he was actually my son Obadiah, who was a time traveler, who time traveled back in time to help his parents started a church in a comedy club. And he was like really weirded out by that. But he was on board until I said, that makes me your daddy. Then that's when it got really weird for him. But these are really weird parties. And it's, it's crazy. As we, um, as we were just present in our neighborhood and we made ourselves available, people from our neighborhood actually started showing up. Like the Aronas, who live right behind us. Like, that's the first time we met them at these parties. And now they're critical to Kalo's church. And it's just been so incredible, all the people we've just met by being available in parties. I just want to challenge you guys. Be available. You know, hang out in your front yard. And just see what kind of conversations will start. You know, invite friends over. Invite your neighbors over for dinner or coffee or, or something. Just take the time to get to know people. You know, and third, I want to challenge all of us to be intentional. Let's truly this summer go from being friendly to being friends. And this is super simple, but I, I want to challenge us with this. Just like we saw on this block map, it's a lot easier to love someone if you know their name. It's a lot easier to love someone if you know their name. You know, as we're present and as we're available, like the Good Samaritan, as we get into people's lives, I just want to challenge you. Learn the people's names in your neighborhood. Like, take the time. I'm convicted. I only know, like, three people in my neighborhood. But this summer, I'm, I'm planning on learning the neighbors behind me and kitty corner, and things like that, because I I don't want to just wave at people. I want to go from waving to saying, hey, man, to saying, hey, Mike, to saying, hey, Mike, how are you doing, to saying, hey, Mike, I noticed your son moved back into your house. Is everything going all right? To saying, hey, Mike, hey, hey, I I just want to let you know I'm here for you. To saying, hey, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you, Mike. To saying, hey, do you— you want a community, I'd love to show you my friends at Kalos Church. They're awesome people. And that, that starts from just going from strangers to acquaintances to friends, and that really begins by simply learning a name first. And it's gonna be awkward, it's gonna be super intimidating, but I, I believe it can be done. You know, last summer, we were at one of these parties, and I I met some people in my neighborhood. We're in our backyard. We just became friends, like hardly knew each other, just small talk, learning each other's names. But then uh, about uh, two weeks later, I think, um, after we exchanged numbers, this neighbor texts me and says, hey, um, my son is missing. I, I haven't been able to find my son for like the last two hours. Can you, can you help me search for my son? And I'm just thinking, like, I was the first person this guy reached out to. He, he had been living in that neighborhood for years. And we had only known each other for a couple of weeks. But in his time of distress and need and really needing neighborhoods, neighbors, he realized, I don't know a lot of people. So I'm going to reach out to this person I just met two weeks ago. And not because I'm such a hero or I'm amazing. Like, I'm the guy who started off the sermon by stalking a girl. Remember that? But I'm not that special. But this guy reached out to me and said, I'm in a time of need. Will you help me? And I, I just believe Kalos Church, like, yeah, we worship here and, and we're loving God. But, like, if we're not loving our neighbors, what are we doing? Like, what, what are we doing? If we can't even name our neighbors, but we say we love the world, and there needs to be more love in this world, and there needs to be more joy, and I wish crime would go away, and someone should. I just feel like we're called to love our weird neighbors. We're called to love our poor neighbors. We're called to love our homeless neighbors. We're called to love our immigrant neighbors. I feel like as God's people, we can't just walk on the other side of the road anymore, amen? We're called to love. We're called to be the church that looks like and smells like Jesus. And so this question that the lawyer asked as a loophole, who is my neighbor? I pray that we as Kalos Church wouldn't have to ask that question anymore because the fact is we're all asking that question and it's sad, except for the three superstars in this room. Most of us have to ask ourselves, who is my neighbor? And I just pray you would ask that if you're serious about following Jesus if you're serious about making known the beauty of Jesus, can we start by learning our neighbors' names? Can we do that? So I challenge you, Kalos Church, why don't you walk around your neighborhood, prayer walk or just walk, and see what kind of conversations happen. Would you intentionally knock on the door of your neighbor and just... Say, hey, I'm your neighbor. I'd like to introduce myself. I know this is weird. No, I don't have an Amazon package, but how are you? <laughs> you know, can you uh, invite people over for a party? I, if you live in a house, if you live in an apartment, you know, it, it's so simple. Knock on every door around you and just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a little, you know, meet and greet at my place. I'd love to invite you. Uh, as simple as that. And I just think that simple step will help us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for your scriptures. I thank you that you've shown us an example of love. And Lord, I, I pray that we would not be like the lawyer who's simply looking for a loophole to get out of love. But Father, I pray that we wouldn't find ourselves loving God in all of humanity, but not our literal neighbor. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the ordinary pains our neighbors are facing and help us to see how we can love people and show the love of God in tangible and practical ways. Lord, I pray that it would be said of Kalos Church that we're not just friendly, but we're friends we are good neighbors. I pray that starting with us that there would be a difference between Christians and non-Christian neighbors. Lord, let us show the love of God and make known the beauty of Jesus. Let us take advantage of this summer, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet and lift our eyes to Jesus. And I just ask that you would pray during the song that as we lift up the name of Jesus, you'd see how you can lift up the name of Jesus. You can lift up the love of Jesus in your neighborhoods. Let's sing. Your name is alive the can't deny. Your name cannot be Father, help us to love our neighbors. Lord, if we're not loving our neighbors, where are they getting love from? Lord, for those who are just beaten and downtrodden, Lord, I pray that we would have your heart to love. Lord, let us see our neighbors as you see them. Lord, let us love in practical ways and be the kind of neighbors you dream us of being. Father, we pray. You know, Kayla's church, if you guys could look at me real quick, I I realize, like, as we're talking about loving our neighbors, I realize that there are people in this room and you desperately need the love of Jesus in your life right now. And you know, we started a church and a comedy club here because we're very aware that people are walking in hopeless lives and darkness, not feeling connected to community. We're very aware that people are just tired and downtrodden and sick. desperate, and I, we want to love the people in this room in practical ways, and if you're, you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, I, I just, I don't feel connected to God. I just feel like, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I, I know what I'm doing is not working. I want to encourage all of you. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, do so. You know, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life and you know not because it's like a notch in my belt or I'm trying to coerce you to do something. I just believe life is better with Jesus. I believe that we experience true life as we're connected to the source of all life. And if you're saying, Pastor Purdue, I'm, I'm just stuck in shame. Like, I, if you knew what I was like, you wouldn't think I could have anything to do with God. I just want to let you know God loves you as you are. And he loves you. And he wants your heart. And he wants all of you. And you don't have to have all of your, your questions answered. But I'll let you know this thing. That Jesus loves you. And he desires you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants to forgive you and give you that fresh start we're all longing for. And so if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepin, pray for me. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. And I hope you will raise your hand because it's the best decision you could ever make. Let's close our eyes and make a private moment and bow our heads. But if that's you in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepin, please pray for me. I want that fresh start. I wanna surrender to Jesus. On the count of three, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? One, two, three. Just so lift up your hand, that's awesome. See a couple of hands? Just raise it so I can see. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Hey, kill okay, us just, let's pray this all together. There's gonna be some words on the screen, it's not a magic spell, but it's just a way of articulating a prayer that's maybe in our hearts together. So let's pray this all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. That's awesome.